Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 15th day of July 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Why did I say it like that? (laughs) I'm recording this from inside a small room in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin. I think this room this room that I'm in right now was the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin. Well, man, um, this is one of those days for Sully Baseball, which is, you know, you kind of, you want to mark it on the calendar, but it's hard to pin down. It's kind of like Hanukkah that way. It's it's kind of fluid in terms of when it shows up on the calendar, but I'm uh, I do the in memoriam video, and I guess today I'm going to talk a little bit about the whole process of doing the in memoriam video and my little adventure that I had this morning regarding it. Uh, The in memoriam video is the thing that I do once a year, which is based upon the Academy Awards segment when they do the very emotional montage of all the people who have died since the last Academy Awards. And it's usually to a very dramatic piece of music, you know, something like Terms of Endearment or, or, you know, Braveheart or something like that, something that has a big rousing score. And they show clips of people and who are, who have passed away. And it's, they're done really, really beautifully. And it's, and it's an, it's a craft. And I've seen, you know, the Oscars are a weird obsession of mine. Uh, as well as baseball, and so I've seen enough of them that I get the rhythm of it. I get what they, you know, how they are conveyed. And the origin of my in memoriam videos that I've done was when I was absolutely, and for those of you who may know this already, but I was absolutely livid at the All-Star Game in 2014 when they gave no tribute to Tony Gwynn. They gave no, they had no segments for Tony Gwynn, who had just died, I think, two weeks or maybe three weeks prior to the All-Star Game. It was clearly the biggest event since Tony Gwynn passed. And they didn't, and of course, it's an All-Star Game. So there's, it's a nine-inning game. There's a top and bottom of each inning. So there's a, a, a commercial break at the top of the inning, commercial break at the bottom of the inning. And also, there's tons of pitching changes. So you have lots of time to say, hey, while we're here, I just want to say that one of the most popular players of the last few decades and someone who has been in you know, over a dozen All-Star games and is elected to the Hall of Fame and was just beloved and revered and seemed like a good guy and seemed like everything you'd want to root for, stayed with his hometown team, never, you know, and never went, never chased the big bucks elsewhere, even though that was his right to. He wanted to stay in San Diego and became the face of that franchise, but also one of the real positive figures in baseball and died too young. He was in his 50s when he passed. And no, not a burp. They they were they were too busy promoting the new season of the uh, I don't know the new girl or whatever was on Fox. And it was so disrespectful. And it was so it seemed intentional. 
You know, you couldn't even you couldn't do a little package leaving commercial at one point. Yeah, I know everything has to be young and you know, like let's get let's get you know, be hip and cool. But you know what? No, be true to the game. Be true to what makes the game work. Be true to understanding the appeal of it. It isn't Coachella. It isn't a rave. It's baseball, and baseball has its own appeal and has its own rhythms and has its own likability factors. And one thing is, is you honor the past. I'm repeating myself a little bit. One of the things that is truly wonderful about baseball is that it exists in the past, present, and future simultaneously. Or at least it has the illusion that that's the case. And the fact of the matter is if you don't respect the past because you're trying to cater to the future, then you just don't really get what baseball is. I'm sorry. It isn't about debating over the DH or debating over war or any of that other stuff. It has to do with the appeal of knowing that you are part of something that is connected to the past, has a wonderful present, but is moving forward into the future, all seemingly at the same time. Now, of course, that isn't the reality, and people pass, and people die, and we move on. And when Gwyn passed, one of the bullshit reasons that the Fox gave afterwards when there was anger about what had happened was that, well, a lot of players had died and we didn't want to be disrespectful for them. And I thought, really? A lot of Hall of Famers with dozens of All-Star Game appearances died just a few weeks ago? Really? Is that the case? Is that really the tactic you're taking? I mean, they doubled down on being jerks. But that's when I, took, instead of yelling about it and complaining about it, that's when I did the podcast, which I said, all right, let me show you how to do it. And with Rafael Rivera, in about five, Rafael Rivera is an editor that I work with at my, at my job job. And when we were done with it, something we were doing for work, we spent that evening, you know, starting around 6.30 at night, and around midnight, we had done, from me saying, hey, I think this would be a cool thing to do, around 6.30 that evening, or, you know, 6 o'clock-ish. And that, around midnight, we were done. And we did the first In Memoriam video. And it was, it, looking back, it was relatively simple. I knew the music we were going to take was the natural, and I said, okay, this is about the All-Star Game, so I went to BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, looked up all the All-Stars who had died that year, pulled pictures and some video clips, lined them up, timed it out, and it timed out pretty nicely. And it kind of hit with the people who were angry at the treatment of Tony Gwynn. And we got a bunch of viewers. And so I did it again the next year. And this time I put a wider net. But I also knew the music I wanted to put on. There was a wonderful piece from The Untouchables, the end credit. The first year I did The Natural by Randy Newman, you know, baseball it's one of the great baseball themes, the great baseball soundtrack, boom, seems like a natural. You know, hey, look at that. Pun pun not intended, but also acknowledged. Uh, then The Untouchables was the music that I used for the second one. The end credits of The Untouchables 
is a great piece of music, great piece of film music, and uplifting, and you know, your your the hairs on your arms standing up, and that was very Chicago centric. It began with Minnie Minosa and ended with Ernie Banks, and while that didn't become the kind of weird viral sensation that the first one did, it got a lot of pleasant, you know. Posts and I'm not doing this to chase clicks. I'm doing this because I love it. I'm not doing this podcast to chase clicks. I'm doing it because I love it. I know that there are a bunch of you who are out there listening to me. And if I suddenly started doing things like, hey, do you know what's really, really cool? Let me tell you, uh, let's go Pokemon Go. I'll tell you, the latest Brewer infield was a lot like Pokemon. Like, by the way, I have no idea what Pokemon Go is or anything like that. And, and I hope someday they lower me into the ground in a box and put dirt over the coffin, and they say, here lies Paul Francis Sullivan. He never knew what Pokemon Go was. I want that on my fucking tombstone. Okay, back to the podcast. So I decided I was going to do it again. I'm going to make this an annual thing. And I have to say, this year was a, there was a lot of challenges for this one. There were some things that weren't challenging, I have to tell you, that I'll give you a little sample of how my mind works on these on these in memoriam videos. I always have an idea how they're going to begin. I take a look at who passed away and I say who is the who's going to lead off? Cuz you have to have a big name up front. You can't just say okay, well, let's pick the most obscure name. You can't you have to end with a big name, but you also have to start with a big name. Again, I'm using the Oscar in memorial clips as a template, but they would always start with a pretty big name. Like right from the beginning, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, I forgot Lloyd Bridges died. And then it builds up to something, and you gotta you got to have a couple of them are thrown in. It's like, oh, I never knew they died, or, oh, they died. You've know, you got to have a bunch of those, and, oh, I don't even know who that is, but that's interesting. And so for the so you've got to throw some more obscure ones in there so the people who do know them will say, oh, yeah, I know them. And some people don't say, I wonder who that is. And you got to, you know, s- spread it out throughout there. you got to sort of give it a little bump from time to time of a really famous person here and a really famous person there. And then I try to also have the end. I mean, the ideal is to have the ending be two famous people. The first time out, I did Don Zimmer and uh, Tony Gwynn. I didn't do it the second time out. Uh, I just had uh, Ernie Banks close out. But this year, I was taking a look at who died. Not that I wanted people to die, and God's sakes, there's been enough people who have passed this year anyway, all sorts of, in you know, the world of entertainment, and the world of sports, the world of life, you know, my family, you know, there's just been too much death anyway. Obviously, all the killings and all the terrorism and all the shootings and all the insanity, I'm obviously not rooting for death. Death is winning. Death has a great, great slugging percentage. But we can celebrate those who we feel lucky that we were able to experience them while they were alive. And when I was writing down all the ones who had passed, it became very clear, two things became very clear, that I was, barring the death of someone huge, like 
you know, I mean, I don't even want to say, but, you know, you got some greats up there who are getting up there. You know, Willie Mays is getting up there. Bobby Doerr is getting up there. Henry Aaron is getting up there. Bob Gibson, Frank Robinson, Sandy Koufax. These are not spring chickens anymore. But looking at it, I said, okay, Monty Irvin is going to lead off. Hall of Famer, who has probably been overshadowed by the other stars because he was a huge Negro League star before arriving in the big leagues. If he had played his prime then in the majors, he probably would have a higher esteem or a higher um, visibility amongst baseball fans. That being said, he is a Hall of Famer with his number retired, and I figured he's a good person to lead off. And I also knew that as a Red Sox fan, I had to include the clip of Dave Henderson's home run off of Donnie Moore. And I also knew that I wanted to have a combination at the end that I wanted to have first uh, Joe Garagiola and then Yogi Berra and that was how I was going to end the the thing because they were because they are connected because they are they grew up they were friends and so you know I started writing out my list of who was going to be in it and and uh, I Interesting thing happened over the course of this year is that because I widened the net for the last time, the first time it was basically just all-stars. There were two in I included who weren't all-stars. One was um, Gates Brown because he was such an integral part to the Tigers organization for so many years. And also Frank Castillo because he died relatively young. And I felt that he, we should throw him in there as well. And for last year, I included Negro League players. I included from the All-American Professional Girls Baseball League um, and a couple other players who were, uh, you know, Oscar Tavares, barely in the majors when he died. And I, include, and I also included Dick Bershani, who was the uh, vice president of the Boston Red Sox and the husband of my first grade teacher. So I said, man, I have a wide net now. I have a really wide net now. This could get very, very interesting. I compiled a list of people that I wanted to include, and I realized I can't include everybody, including some major leaguers, and because it just will, it will turn into, it'll just turn into the showgun. It'll be any, it'll be longer than anything Richard Chamberlain was ever in. So I, I had to sort of make decisions of like, I mean, I can't just put stars in there, but I, did want to, I didn't want to just have it be major leaguers. I did want to include Negro leaguers and, and from the league of their own league because they're dying off and those leagues don't exist anymore. Those are, those are done. When you start seeing some of these women who played in, for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League that though they're they're not going to be they're not going to have names from the 70s and 80s that league ended and then when you see players who are negro league stars whose names you probably don't know it's important to put them out there because the, some of them did not get the chance that Monty Irvin got of be able to show that they can play in the major league so you don't know that player even 
even if they weren't a huge star in the Negro Leagues, you don't know. They could have clicked on the right team. They could have been a great Cardinal. They could have been a great Padre. But they weren't because they weren't allowed to be. Actually, they couldn't have been a great Padre because the Padres didn't expand until 1969. And also, when you put it together, like, look, I could just put a bunch of photos in on iMovie, hit click, write out the duration of each photo, and they could just sort of pop up like a slideshow. I could do that. And for most, and, and, and have it timed to a piece of, you know, have it be the exact length of a piece of music. And do you know what? That might be fine for some people, but I make videos for a living, and I don't want to do that. And also, yeah, I don't want visually the piece to be either repetitive. I don't want to have like two pitchers next to each other or two batters facing the right, the same way. And I try to have it so it flows in a certain way. One picture leads to another. One image leads to another. It, it speeds up, it slows down. Now, I did have a lot of trouble with this video for a couple of reasons. First of all, I didn't have a piece of music lined up. I tried a bunch. I even tried the music from a movie called Dragonheart, starring Dennis Quaid and a cartoon dragon played with the voice of Sean Connery. I know. It's a weird, bad movie, but it actually has a great, great score. But that didn't work. And I tried Henry V from Kenneth Branagh. I tried some, some cues from Field of Dreams. Nothing seemed to work. I finally did use Field of Dreams. And I put it together, and I used basically the ending of the movie with a couple of edits here or there. And I put that in. I started cutting to it. And... I started piecing it together and sadly leaving some people off. And I went online and, I, and one of my um, followers is someone named Dan J. Glickman. And he wrote a whole piece about here's who he would have in the In Memoriam video. And I went through it and there was a bunch of people I thought like, oh, crap, I, I didn't write that down. And so I give Dan Glickman a, a, a thank you at the end of the video because I, use, I used his list as a reference. But I couldn't include everyone on there either, just because you've, you, know, you can't have it just be a parade to names. Every once in a while, you have to show a clip. Every once in a while, you have to have a reason that you're celebrating. It can't just be this, this lineup of faces. And I put it together, and I edited it myself. I didn't work, and Raphael and I didn't get a chance of working this together, and because of my job and because of all the other things I'm doing in my life, I didn't get to launch it before the All-Star game as I like to do. And I watched it, and it didn't flow right. It was, I could have been fine with it. You probably would have been like, hey, that was nice, Sully. That was nice. You made a nice video. But I watched it, and two things were, were not working. First of all, it was a minute before you heard a person's voice. There were some clips, there was even some moving clips, but you didn't hear a voice until about a minute ten into it, and that was jarring. I said, I gotta have, a, I gotta have someone's voice earlier in this piece. And then I also realized that the music just was, which was beautiful in the movie, but without the context of the scene playing out, it just seemed like James Horner was the composer 
was just noodling around and not doing anything. And it made the absolute, it was just an absolute glacier pace. Think, oh man, I made something that's gonna bore the crap out of everyone, including me. I'm bored, and I'm, and I, you know, if you've lost me, holy crap. And so I did a couple of things. First of all, and, and then I kind of, but the ending was flowing together really nicely. I realized that I had, um, I did have an ending that I liked. That I did have a. Uh, there was uh, some clips of Yogi Berra that I cut together. And then there were some clips of Joe Garagiola. In fact, there were too many clips of Joe Garagiola. It's like, goodness gracious, Sully. So I, I sadly had to cut out the bubblegum chewing contest and a couple other, his call of the end of the Phillies winning the World Series in 1980, which I love. Um, but I, But I also connected Yogi with Joe with a photograph and also the fact that uh, Joe started talking about his friendship with Yogi during his acceptance speech of the Ford Frick Award. So I decided, okay, that will lead directly into Yogi. Uh, I lost a bit of a punch that I had with the first one. In the first one, I don't show any clips of Tony Gwynn until right at the end when we cut right to his face and, and I wanted it to be a real gut punch. That was also a middle finger to Fox, but it was a gut punch emotionally, and I wanted to do the same with Yogi. We just cut right to Yogi's face. But I realized I tipped my hand by showing Yogi with Joe Garagiola earlier, but I figured that was fine because what Joe said was very sweet and very endearing. So I rearranged some stuff, and I, I put a clip of the um, uh, Elston... I forget his name, the guy who was the uh, announcer for the uh, Houston Astros. And I basically started to look at the, I started looking at the, the video over and over again and realized, do you know what? Something about it's not working. And I thought, do you know what, Paul? Just relaxed. You know, the, yeah, the music isn't perfect, but everyone will be fine with it. I said, no, I won't be fine with it. So I took out all the music that didn't work in the first half and found a couple of cues from Field of Dreams, and I edited them together and used points where an announcer had a clip to mask and edit. There's a little editing trick for you right there. Then I watched it, and I smiled, and I said, all right, Sully, it worked. And it was late at night. I'm a little tired, a little pooped, and I fell asleep thinking, do you know what? You did it, Sully. I'm satisfied with that. And I think it's going to get, you know, the shot of uh, placing the wreath with the number eight where Yogi would have crouched was, uh, I thought, that's a good last image. Boom. And then I sent it off to some people, posted it, went to bed. A few hours later, I woke up, and I had received a tweet from a listener named Rich Loop, who pointed out that Gene Elston, the Houston Astros announcer that I put on there, and I had a piece of audio from him, I had the wrong audio that wasn't Gene Elston.
That was Lowell Passy. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, but I had someone else's voice over his picture in an in memoriam video, and now I knew that. And the entire video was now garbage. It was now, I had less regard for the video than the bit of bird poop that was on my window when I woke up. So I was in a panic at 6.45 in the morning. What the hell am I going to do? Now, to Rich Loop's credit, he sent me a clip that I wound up using instead that was of uh, Elston calling the final out of a Nolan Ryan no-hitter. Boom. There you go. You get your Astros, and it's a short declarative thing. But YouTube, uh, the great. I love YouTube, but YouTube has something that's really, really stupid. And that is, if you make a mistake on a video and you've already posted it, and people are already sharing it. If I do this on SoundCloud, or you know, on several other uh, venues, you can swap out the file. You take out the original file, correct it, put in the file, it's in the same URL, the same everything. Can't do that with YouTube. You have to delete everything. Everyone who watched it, everyone passed it around, that link is now worthless. And so I made the correction, and uploaded it, and now it exists. Am I going to get a huge tidal wave of watchers? I don't know, probably not. It doesn't matter to me. Because the people who will watch it and will appreciate it are the ones who are going to see that and get why I spent the time to make sure that the music flowed correctly. Will get why I couldn't have the wrong audio at that point. You'll get why I had to make sure the names were spelled correctly and that it had a nice cross-section of people who were announcers, people who were scouting, people who played, women who played, Negro League players who played, obscure players and superstars. That they're all there. And that this is my little way of saying this is thanks for everyone there because they all contributed to baseball. And I'm going to do it again next July. I'm going to do it again. I hope that the video I do is me sitting behind a desk going like, yeah, well, nobody died. Looks like nobody died this year. That's great. That's not going to happen. So if you enjoy these, then go to YouTube, type in Sully Baseball, and it's there. The old, the old version doesn't exist anymore. It's dead. If you want to pass it around, go be my guest. And please let people know. Because I do this not to make money, not to become famous, but because I like being part of the community of baseball fans. I call it the, the family of baseball at the beginning of the video. And that's how I think of it. So enjoy the In Memoriam video. And go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 15th day of July, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.